from depression to diabetes to obesity and addictions. Our medical problems are climbing and are now at epidemic rates. This is why I started this podcast, Your Health Transformed, to educate you, to teach you, so we can all learn how to combat these increasing medical problems and live well again and become transformed. I am your host, Dr. Franchelle Hamilton, bariatric surgeon, and have seen these medical problems and treated them firsthand. I am now on a journey to help transform health, not just band-aid it. So thank you for listening and going on this journey with me and all of my guests on Your Health Transformed. Welcome to Your Health Transformed. I'm your host, Dr. Franchelle Hamilton, and I am so excited for our guest today, coach and founder of Live Nourished, um, Haley Brooke. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being on the show. I am super excited about your topic. So the topic we're going to talk about today is your anxiety and depression are a gut problem more than a brain problem. So this particular topic really got my attention because I'm big on brain health. And so Mm. I believe in the gut too. So I'm really excited to see what kind of nuggets that you're going to share with us. But I guess the first question is what got you into this particular area? Would you say? Yes, totally. So I have always been passionate about health and wellness. I grew up in a family in Boulder, Colorado, who, you know, I got sent to school with hemp soup when all my friends had Pringles. <laughs> I was the weird Boulder hippie kid eating granola. And so always been passionate about it. Ended up teaching math for nine years in inner city school districts, which was incredibly rewarding and also really hard. And in that process, just chronic stress, I ended up super sick and went and saw a bunch of doctors was told that I had IBS and that chicken and lettuce was the rest of my life. If you, it's crazy to look back at pictures of myself and my skin is gray and I have acne everywhere. And my farts were so bad. It smelled like something had died inside of me. I was, I was just sick. <laughs> it was unwell. Um, I know. And so I kind of stumbled into functional medicine, looking for solutions for myself going chicken and lettuce cannot be the only answer. Um, Yeah. And so stumbled into functional medicine, got really intrigued by gut health and intestinal permeability and our microbiome and all of those things, uh, ended up going back to school, getting a degree in functional medicine, founding live nourished. And here I am. So yeah, that's That's great. So you essentially went, we're a math teacher and then you went back to get your degree in study in functional medicine. So no, that's great. So a lot of what I do, I never officially went and got like a lot, I got a lot of certifications in functional medicine. Um, but I essentially went back and wanted to learn a lot about it because I just feel like all the stuff that it does. And even now lifestyle medicine, you know, this is kind of the the adjunct of functional medicine, like how important it is to learn all this stuff. Cause believe it or not, even in med school, we didn't, we didn't learn about that. We learned about basic gut micro and and just in general, all the stuff that you, you know what I'm saying? Day to day, life to life. But 
the fact that your environment can change your gut microbe, what you eat can change your gut microbe. And all these people who have complaints about bloating and probably similar, I'm curious what your symptoms were, but it's, it's really a gut microbe, but they just labeled yep. it some generic IBS, you know, catch yep. all term, you know what I'm saying? And so anyways, so that's yeah. amazing that you did Thank that. you. Yeah. Well, and amazing for you too, after all of medical school and all of that, that entails going back and continuing learning. I give you a ton yeah. of props for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much. So, so this is interesting. So give us your overview and I'll chime in, um, of what you figured out about the gut. So what, first of all, what symptoms were, were you having and, and how did you relate that to the gut? And then just give kind of an overview of what, of this powerful, I call it the, I call it the COO. I think I still think uh -huh. it's the CEO, but for sure, COO, CFO, it's pretty high up there. So yep. your take. Oh man, I love that. I've never heard that. The brain is the CEO and your gut is the COO. Yep. That's fantastic. Yeah. So for me, I had all of the symptoms of what we now know is probably SIBO. Back mm -hmm. when I was sick, SIBO was a thing, but most doctors didn't test for it. Most doctors didn't look for it. And I laugh because when I went through school, I did an internship with a gastroenterologist and I asked her what IBS was. And I quote, she says, oh, that's what we diagnose people with when we don't know what's wrong with them and we yep. don't have a drug to give them. So yep. that mm. was me. Like so my, yep. Yeah, mm. totally. We're not really sure, but yeah. we don't feel good. So here's the label. Yeah. yeah. So what was happening for me, I was exhausted all the time. I couldn't think straight. So brain fog and chronic fatigue, uh, eating didn't make sense. All of the quote unhealthy foods, my body felt okay on. So pasta, carbohydrates, I'd been gluten-free for years. Um, but things that, you know, rice, really low fiber things I felt okay on quote, healthy food, kale, leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables. I just felt horrible on, mm -hmm. they made everything way worse. I would blow up like a balloon and I looked like I was, you know, multiple months pregnant. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I remember having to go to the bathroom, not to fart, but just to lay on my side and get my hips up to try to get the gas bubbles to move through. Oh my God. They were just miserable. so painful. Yeah. It was miserable. It was miserable. And then, you know, just being embarrassed, being around people all the time, yeah. because I just, I just leaked yeah. like gas. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, so those were kind of my symptoms. And it didn't seem to make sense because all of the things that I grew up knowing about how to eat clean and eat healthy, none of those seemed to fit because those things made it worse. Mm -hmm. So that was before I knew anything, started doing research, yeah. learning about our gut microbiome and our gut epithelial lining, which is, you know, when we say gut, we're talking about large intestine, small intestine, stomach, mm -hmm. but our, our gut is really our large intestine. And the, the lining of that large intestine is one cell thick which I just think is fascinating when we think about the, you know, super thin skin under our eyes. That's so yeah. delicate. That's 30 cells thick. Yeah. So when I think yeah. about how thin that is, um, learning about what causes those tight gap junction proteins to separate. And when those do separate, now we have food particles and poop particles and bacteria leaking out and that's causing an immune reaction, which made so much sense. Cause a lot of my symptoms felt like I had the flu. I was exhausted. I was tired all the time. And when you think about an immune response, yeah. what is, what is actually feeling sick, that is your immune, your immune system responding to things. And so I just felt like that all the time. Um, so those were kind of my symptoms. And what I, what I started working out was, okay, 
you know, self-diagnosing, um, was I probably have gut permeability. Colloquial term is leaky gut. Medical term is intestinal epithelial permeability. Um, I've probably developed some food intolerances over time because of that. I'm having an immune response every single time I eat because of that permeability. And with the SIBO piece, which um, I didn't have words for then after working for this GI practice, I now have words for, but um, SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth basically means you have bacteria in the wrong parts of your gut. And so it's breaking down and fermenting food and causing this terrible gas and all of these symptoms. And so, you know, pre, pre going through school brain, what I thought was, okay, I probably have gut permeability and I probably have some microbes that are not the right microbes. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. sort of what that I wasn't bad. That wasn't a bad, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. For pre, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 For not educated self-diagnosing yeah, exactly. on Google. Yeah. Now it's fun to kind of go back and look at my story from, you know, the educated perspective and go, oh, okay, this is what it is. And this is what I did. But, um, what I ended up doing was cutting out all of the foods that made me feel terrible. So getting really clear on, all right, I would love to eat kale and spinach, but it makes me feel horrible. So we're going to remove that from my diet. I would love to eat jicama and berries and apples, but those make me feel horrible. I'm going to remove that from my diet. Fast forward. I now know that those are all outstanding prebiotic foods that feed the good bacteria, but I had bad bacteria in the wrong, in the wrong places. Um, and then working through a process of, I, so I did that for 40 days. I removed all the foods that made me feel crummy. I got what I now know is probably a really low quality probiotic from the store. Um, and then I got a couple, you know, gut rebalancing, gut healing with L-glutamine and slippery elm, those kind of things to kind of repair that gut lining. Yeah, L-glutamine got those. is the main food for the intestines. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Got those supplements from the store and just sort of pieced it together. Um, and with that and a lot of prayer, healed myself and thought, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. And then yeah. went back to school. So wow. yeah. yeah, that, that was sort of my awesome. self journey. Thanks. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, no, that's great. So now you have gone through this journey yourself and then now you're able to kind of help and educate others. So yes. how do you now relate this to anxiety and depression? Like, please share. Like, Yes, totally. Okay. So fast forward, gone through school. I now live in NCBI medical articles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a peer, for those who don't know, that is a peer reviewed, like published. It has a lot of published peer review scientific articles on that. We'll yes. get a lot of information about that. Okay. Yes. So from that perspective, we now know 95% of our serotonin is created in our gut. Mm -hmm. We also know that serotonin is the precursor for melatonin, which a lot of times when people are dealing with anxiety and depression, sleep cycles get off. Mm -hmm. So when we think about how we treat anxiety and depression, typically with SSRIs or SSNRIs, selective serotonin and norepinephrine, inhibitors, right? Antidepressant medicines. The only thing that that's doing is preventing our body from reabsorbing whatever amount of serotonin is already in our body. It's not actually helping our body produce and create more serotonin. And where are we going to produce and create more serotonin? It's in our gut because it's our gut microbiome that produces that for our body. So if we want to treat anxiety and depression from a root cause symptom, it's not by just using whatever we have and hoping we have enough. It's by 
strategically and intentionally helping our bodies produce more of that. So that's the science side. And then just the personal side, anxiety and depression had never really been part of my story prior to getting super sick. And then all of a sudden anxiety and depression were majorly part of my story. Um, I, there were, there were points in that time when I, I felt like I almost couldn't function and I saw a direct correlation to, as I healed my gut, anxiety and depression decreased. And now to the point that I no longer deal with anxiety and depression again. So that's my story. And then the why is our gut produces that serotonin. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Like I'm even learning some interesting stuff here. So good. tell me, okay. So then how does it work? So if Sarah, the gut produces all the serotonin, um, how do you kind of like loop things together? So for people yeah. who are struggling with anxiety and depression, like what are some of the things that you recommend kind of looking at it from that standpoint? So typical people who struggle with this would go see a doctor. And like you said, they would get put on some type of medication, yep. but I don't want to go that route. Let's just say I'm coming to see you. And so what would you, what are some of the things do you recommend? I look at my food. I, I do clean eating like what you did. Tell me some of the things that you identify and then start recommending. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to remove any stigma, I think sometimes getting an antidepressant can be really helpful, especially okay. if you are going to go a non-traditional route, because sometimes, especially if people are way down that hole, yeah. an antidepressant just gives you enough of a boost to be able to function and make different choices. So both can go hand in hand and we absolutely can heal it without those medications. So what we do with people is I would say the majority of the time anxiety and depression are directly tied to our gut. So we take people through our gut healing protocol, which is, um, the five R's. So remove the first thing we want to do is we want to remove things that are causing issues. The second thing is we want to repair. Like exactly. Like, like what you did. Okay. Like if yeah. you notice something that's obvious. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we're going to remove the things that are always triggers fast food, seed oils, fried food, that kind of thing. But then we're also going to take people through what we call our food mood poop journal, because a lot of times when we're dealing with gut permeability, um, you know, the thing that might be healthy or clean eating is actually really unhelpful for their body at this time. So yeah. we do a week of tracking to get really clear on what are the foods that your body is processing well, and what are your foods that your body is processing poorly. So yeah. step one is remove anything that be, could be causing an issue. Before I go into that whole thing, a great example, just to make it more simple is think about if you have a cut on your arm, right? The first thing that you want to do is stop cutting that, right? Like if, if I'm cutting an avocado and I slice through my hand, the first step to healing is to like stop yeah, slicing. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense by removing like whatever damage you have, like stop putting more damage to the, exactly. Yeah. Stop continuing to make a problem. The second thing that I want to do is I want to cover that wound, right? So I don't have any ability to speed up the healing of that cut, but if I cover that wound by putting a bandaid on it, my body will do what it needs to do. And I'm not risking getting bacteria in there. I'm not risking ripping the scab off accidentally. So the next step from the gut healing protocol is repair. So using L-glutamine and slippery elm and some of those things, we use a, a product called glute alomine, which has a, a couple different things in it. We use that before someone eats. So two or three times a day to just go down in your gut and act like a band-aid, help increase that mucosal lining, 
so that that one tiny little layer of cells has a barrier between it and what you're eating and the bacteria. So remove, repair, then we want to replace. So we want to look at what is happening is part of the issue that they are low in digestive enzymes or low in stomach acid. If we're low in stomach acid, we're not digesting our food properly. So by the time it gets to our gut, our gut is having to do way more work and we're, we're causing damage. So do we need to replace anything that our body should be creating on its own and is not? That's a pretty rare thing that we have to deal with, but we do deal with that. And then the next step is re-inoculate. So rebalance that microbiome. We, this is one of our crazy facts and I'm going to get the numbers wrong. So I'll look it up and get it to you for the show yeah, notes, okay. but it's something like we are 7 billion human cells and we're 700 trillion bacteria cells. So we're actually more bacteria than we are human. And when we think yeah. about that, that balance in our microbiome needs to be really specific. So using really targeted probiotics that aren't just bacteria, but bacteria, yeast, and um, fungus to help rebalance that. If we think about reseeding the lawn, we want to reseed the lawn and then fertilize it. So remove, repair, uh, replace, re-inoculate. And then the last one is reintroduce. We don't want people eating, say, an elimination food plan forever. We want to, we want to test that healing, right? We want to take that band-aid off our hand and look and see if the cut is healed, but we can't do that from an intestinal perspective. So then we start reintroducing foods that we've taken out and we watch people's reactions. Um, sometimes one round through that is enough. Sometimes we need to go a couple rounds through that, or we need to remove something for a little bit longer, but for the most part, we can get people back to significantly decreased food allergies and feeling a hundred percent pretty quickly. Oh, wow. That's great. And that's yeah. great. And so one of my other questions, so in the weight loss world, mm -hmm. um, because they look at a ton of gut microbe, right? Because they feel like if you're stomach lining can't absorb certain foods or even get the nutrients, right? Because that's another problem. When your gut lining is not working, you can't even absorb the nutrients and stuff that you're supposed to be getting. Um, so anyways, and so we, we look at a lot of that. How do you guys um, almost like rebalance when you introduce like the yeast, the fungi and the probiotics? Like one, my first question are people are like different, right? So there's some mm -hmm. bacteria that's not so good. We've even seen that some bacteria are weight gainers. Like if they have yes. high levels, they're more prone to certain chronic diseases. So yes. how do you know what's best for your clients? And then is it different among men and women? I heard even like hmm. women need potentially different mixture than, than men for multiple reasons. So those are my yeah. That's an outstanding question. So the first answer to that question is it depends because our microbiomes are as unique as our fingerprint, which is mind boggling yeah, to me sure. to think about. Yeah. So, you know, if you ever watch a commercial and they're like, this is exactly what you need. It's probably not because yeah. your fingerprint is unique to you and no one else who's ever existed before you now or later. Yeah, <laughs> um, so part of that answer is it's really custom to the client. The next two parts of that answer are, um, there are a couple strains. So we use a probiotic called, uh, probiomax lean, and that is based on the research that comes from fecal transplants, which is exactly what you're talking about. People who tend to be thinner, have a higher amount of this certain bacteria, lactobacillus N91 yeah. than people who tend to be more overweight. So helping a person's body get that in their microbiome and then repopulate it is really, really helpful for weight loss. Um, the difference between men and women, 
uh, men tend to be less prone to yeast overgrowth. Women right. tend to be more yeah, prone to yeast, over, yeast overgrowth. Yeah. 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 So the, what's counterintuitive to that is women actually need a probiotic that has more yeast in it, more beneficial yeast. So yeast like Saccharomyces boulardii, because that yeast, uh, sort of like grass in a lawn, if you have a fully lush grass lawn, you're less likely to have weeds pop up. So we use targeted positive beneficial yeast like sac B to be that grass so that other yeasts don't pop up. Um, men typically need sac B if they've done a round of antibiotics, but they don't necessarily yeah, need right. that after that. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how we do that. Okay. That's interesting. Cause like for sure, if I have people, especially my females going on antibiotics, I mean, that's why you don't want to take in for the, the, the patients out there. You don't want to take antibiotics long-term It completely wipes out your bacteria. It's an anti yes. bacteria. It includes <laughs> the ones in your gut. And then you can have overgrowth of all the stuff that's not good. The other thing that I've noticed in my bariatric patients, when we do bypasses, Yes. Microbe changes. And yes. so I've had to like put them on different, you know, bacteria too, to kind of repopulate because bringing your intestines, which was further down up to, you know what I'm saying? Almost your esophagus. It just repopulates. It's a di in different area of the body now. And you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I found that interesting myself and that's what pushed me into looking into some of this myself. And then my yeah. other question for you, do you guys like test? Like there's all these tests. To, I, I haven't gone this, but you know, you guys kind of specialize in this where you can test like what gut microbe that they have. Can you, do you guys have the ability to do that? And do you guys do that? We do have the ability to do it. We do it pretty rarely. And this is why. So you can totally get a microbiome test and they are absolutely fascinating because it gives you, you know, such a massive range of what happens. Um, and for our clients who are, you know, they've gone through all of the things that we typically do with people and they're still struggling, we will occasionally do that. The two reasons that we don't do that right off the bat, there, I guess there's really three, are one, the bacteria in a person's colon is anaerobic bacteria. The only way we can culture bacteria is aerobically. So that means the bacteria in your gut doesn't use oxygen, oxygen kills it. But once you poop, right? then we put it in a little culture dish, then it's exposed to oxygen. So, you know, microbiome tests are incredibly high quality and fascinating, and they still don't hit everything because we're still not seeing the, the bacteria that's anaerobic. So that's one reason. Oh, that's this, interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that. that makes sense. Cause they're advertising this now, you know? What yes. I'm so, oh yeah. You can find one on Google and yeah, exactly. tomorrow if you want to. Yeah, totally. Um, the second reason we don't do it is because with a food mood poop journal, and we can identify really clearly from a clinical perspective, what's happening in that person's body. And so we just don't need to yeah. do that test, you know, doing a tracker, we're ready to go and start a healing protocol in a week. If we send in, if we take a poop sample and send it back, it's a month before anybody is starting to see results. Okay. Um, so that's the second reason we don't do it. And then the third reason is because those microbiome tests are incredibly expensive, at least right now, maybe they'll get cheaper as they get more popular, but right now they're 400 to $1,200 that a patient is having to pay out of pocket. Most of the time insurance doesn't cover that and it's just not necessary. So unless we're dealing with someone who is not responding to normal things, which I would say is probably 1% of the people that we deal with 
we won't do those tests and we will do those tests later down the road if we need to, but for the most part, we really don't. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Thank you. And then yeah. the last question. So you've mentioned like several supplements kind of as you went through the kind of the journey of the typical person, which is great. Yes. But are there certain nutrients that you feel like everybody needs to be on or the majority of the people need to be on? Or is it kind of more specific? What are your thoughts on that? Yes. <laughs> um, that's funny. The answer is both. It's probably more specific, ah, but there are, <laughs> there are some. So one of the things that we believe we have clients come to us. I had a client come to me three weeks ago, literally with a tub of supplements, yeah. like one of those massive garage storage tubs. That's probably two by three and two feet deep, just <laughs> full of supplements. She's like, yeah, let's start with none of them. Cause they're probably <laughs> counteracting each other. So we are really intentional that that should not be your life. You should not have a cabinet full of supplements. If you do something is wrong. Um, probably with the way that you're operating. Yeah. So, um, what we do at live nourish is we'll do immediate nutritional rebalancing. So we'll look at if someone is on a prescription medication, what specific nutrients that depletes them of, and then we'll give them resources to get that. Cause that's a really obvious thing that we need specifically. And then for the most part, the goal would be to get all of our nutrients from food. That's yeah, the ideal gold standard. It's also completely impossible, yeah. both because we're humans and because even if we ate absolutely perfectly, our soils are just so depleted at this point that we're not getting the things that we need. So yeah. what we say is kind of a baseline regime for people is some sort of phytonutrient spectrum. So something that has actual food, not necessarily a multi- multivitamin. Um, we love juice plus that's what we use, but uh, something that has purples, reds, and greens. So getting all of your micronutrients and your phytonutrients from real high quality food, you can use microgreens or, you know, there's companies that sell powders. Some are better than others, but a phytonutrient spectrum, because ideally we, we should be eating at least one food from every color every single day. And I'm a nutritionist and I don't hit that. So phytonutrients as a supplement, magnesium is huge. Magnesium is responsible for 300 plus functions in our body. And we just don't have enough of it. Magnesium is like my new miracle pill. I can fix restless leg syndrome and migraines and all sorts of things. Um, but same that one is because we're not getting it from our food. A recent study came out that said 80% of Americans are deficient in magnesium. So that one's a huge one also helps with sleep. And then the third one is vitamin D3 with K2 Anybody who lives north of the 38th parallel is deficient in vitamin D3 from October to May, because even if you live outside, our sun is at too much of an angle and we just can't get it. If you live somewhere more tropical, but you work in an office and you're not outside all day, you're probably deficient in D3. So D3 is huge. And then pairing that with K2, we can get K1 from leafy greens. K2 is a little bit harder to get. And K2 is vitally responsible for helping your D3 and your calcium get absorbed to your bones without that K2, the calcium gets absorbed wherever it is in your bloodstream, which can cause other issues. So those are sort of our main baselines, magnesium, D3, K2, and a phytonutrient. If you have those three bases covered, you're probably in pretty good shape. And then the specific things would come in with, you know, are there health issues that you're dealing with that are related to a specific nutrient imbalance. Were you recently pregnant and baby took a bunch of your 
DH3, et cetera, that we need to bring back up to normal. And then you probably shouldn't need to supplement that. Those kind of things are where we go specifically. Yeah. And so for the rest of the supplements, you try to do just like short burst, um, Mm -hmm. for the most part, get it from food and then see how they respond. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Get you back up to a baseline because it's going to take forever to do that with food, but get you back up so that you're nutrient sufficient and then maintain with food. Yeah. And supplement, you know, for example, trying to think of a great example, like warfarin and statins deplete people in B12 and B6 specifically. So if you're on a statin, you should probably be taking B6 as when you get off that statin, we can rebalance you and then you're good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah, no, very similar. Like in my in bariatric patients, you know, obviously they're fat soluble vitamins they're deficient in, and you know, B B twelve, all you know, several different things. So yeah, no, I totally understand that. Yeah, well, totally. Thank you so much. This was very insightful. Like like I said, I always do. So I say the brain is the CEO because I feel like it commands, um, but then the gut carries out all the operations. So that's yes. what I mean. You'd be surprised how much the gut, I mean, we just learned here and I haven't talked about it as much in, in the, in the form of anxiety and depression, but that's a great, you know, kind of spinoff. It can do so many things. It can dictates how you feel ultimately, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's great. Totally. So to tie that bow back up for your people, um, the anxiety and depression, when we do a gut healing protocol, those five R's, what happens is that gut epithelial lining is sealed. So we're now no longer having an immune response, which an immune response takes a ton of energy. So there's your depression and your anxiety. Um, you're now absorbing more nutrients, which is directly related to anxiety and depression. And then, um, your gut produces that serotonin. So if your gut is functioning properly and there's no longer an issue, now your body is producing the serotonin that you need and you don't need to inhibit the reuptake. So just to circle that back around and tie that up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that was super helpful because not only have you highlighted how useful the gut can be in anxiety and depression, which I haven't heard that take on it before. I mean, we talked about so many of the other causes like immunity that there could be a whole nother podcast on how the gut helps you in immunity, weight loss, which we didn't even talk about chronic (laughs) fatigue, IBS issues. You know what I'm saying? Like those are completely different chronic problems that people suffer that we didn't go into. And so anyways, I think this was fascinating. Thank you um, for being on our show lately. This was super helpful and you guys can find her at live nourish and you see people, I'm assuming virtual kind of all mm-hmm. over. Yeah. Yeah. We see people virtually. We had, um, we were local until the pandemic and then yeah. virtual just to work so well for nutrition yeah. counseling that we see, yeah, I've got a client in Canada. I'm in Colorado Springs. I have a client in Australia. I don't know how she found oh, us wow. all over the place. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Awesome. Live nourished coaching.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Dr. Hamilton. It was wonderful. I hope this message continued to empower you and inspire you to continue on your health transformation journey. Thank you for listening and please subscribe or download if you like what you're hearing. The goal is to continue to inform you and educate you as you transform on your healthcare journey and show you different paths to take in order to get you to your goal. Until next time, thank you.